0: Organic free range HTML, wild freshwater CSS, and 21 day mature JavaScript. This is not just a podcast.
1: This is smashing. It's smashing. In this episode of The Smashing Podcast, we're taking a look at art direction. What is it, and how can it be applied to our web design projects? We talked to an expert on the matter, Andy Clark. But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes a brand new article to the website five days a week? That's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help. It's... Your Weekly Update... In the snappily titled Postmortem of Gutenberg the Launch so we can embrace Gutenberg the product, Leonardo Losevitz asks what went wrong with the introduction of the new Gutenberg editor into the established WordPress ecosystem and suggests there's a lot of good to be found in setting the launch side and judging Gutenberg on its own merits as a product. Hooray! John Rear emphasizes the importance of storytelling as a method of communication with your site visitors in the article great expectations using story principles to anticipate what your user expects. In this very approachable article, John uses a lot of examples, which is a useful read for designers and developers alike. Yes! In A Guide to Optimizing Images for Mobile, Suzanne Skacker looks at the pressures on performance design when targeting mobile devices on constrained connections and demonstrates how services like ImageKit can be used to optimize images and automate away a lot of that workload. Oh, yeah! Fernando Duglio brings us the second article in this series on writing a multiplayer text adventure engine in Node.js. If you follow part one in this series, looking at the client application, this article guides you through the server implementation. And part one, of course, if you haven't seen it, is linked from the article. Bravo! And Brian Robson has been creating a bookmarking application with FaunaDB, Netlify, and Eleventy. It shows how a personal application for storing bookmarks can be created using a static site, some Netlify functions, and the serverless NoSQL database, FaunaDB.
0: Whoa.
1: And that is your weekly update.
0: Find all these and more at smashingmagazine.com articles.
1: He's a well-known designer, public speaker, an author of numerous influential web design articles and books, and has recently released his new book, Art Correction for the Web, with Smashing Magazine. Along with his wife, Sue, he founded and runs a web design studio, Stuff and Nonsense, in North Wales, where he consults with companies big and small all around the world. You may know of his passion for gorillas, but did you know that as a schoolchild, he was junior national bassoon champion for three years in a row? My Smashing friends, it's Andy Clark. Andy, how are you today? E, I'm
0: smashing, lad.
1: So, uh, as I mentioned, your your new book, Art Direction for the Web, is now available. But obviously, this this isn't your first book. Uh, we had hardboard Web Design that I'm sure people will know, and way back in the day, Transcending CSS. When did the idea for this particular book come about?
0: This was an interesting one because, like you say, this is like the actually this is number four in terms of in terms of books. Sue had always said that she'd hunt down and kill anybody that asked me to write another one because I am such a bastard when I'm writing books. You know, I just I I'm just not a nice person to be around. And um so I I kind of didn't ever want to do another kind of major book after Hardboiled. So my original plan was actually to write three little we called them shots in the whole kind of hard-boiled theme three kind of little 80 to 100 page little shots you know in this kind of the style of uh or the length of uh book of art type length um and art direction was going to be the first one and when i started to get into it which was like way back at the beginning of i think it was the beginning of like 2018 when i started it the more and more i kind of got into it the more i realized that this there was no way this was going to be a short book um all the things that i wanted to talk about were just never going to fit so i kind of threw the whole three shots idea out of the window and um And we just concentrated on doing this one. So I suppose the idea for this one came actually quite a few years ago, even before a lot of the stuff that I talk about in the book in terms of, you know, what we can do with design and what we can do with CSS and all that kind of stuff was even, you know, was even a possibility. Um, But yeah, it's, it's been a long time coming, this one. I think it's the kind of spiritual successor to some of the other stuff that I've done in the past, that sounds a bit grandiose, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, like many people, I've come into this field of, of building stuff for the web without any real formal background in, well, I'm a developer. I don't really have a formal background in, in programming. I've just sort of picked it up as I go along. And I certainly don't have a formal background in anything to do with design. I'm not really familiar with the the terminology and the concepts um, that like a a formal training would instill, particularly in design. So for people like me, when we talk about art direction, you know, what exactly is art direction?
0: That's an almost impossible question to answer because it means so many kind of different things at different levels. But I'm going to give you an example. Do you remember back in, I mean, we're talking 15 odd years ago now, but do you remember the Um, adverts. In fact, for the show notes, I'll send you some links. But do you remember there was an ad campaign called The Cream of Manchester for Boddington's Beer? One of the the things that they did, there were some really funny TV commercials, but one of the things that they did incredibly successfully was a whole series of graphics, which went on posters and various other things, which were a glass of Boddington's Beer With the incredibly creamy head, which was the most important part of Boddington's beer. And they shaped the head into all kinds of different things. So, you know, it looked like an ice cream and it looked like a, you know, a quiff and it looked like all kinds of stuff. And what that did was it told the story of what was important about Boddington's beer through the medium of design. So it didn't necessarily just say Boddington's has a very creamy head. What it did was it showed you that um, through, you know, through the visuals. But then with the, um, in combination with the words, you got this very, very, you know, clever Um, idea about what Boddington's beer was all about. And that, in one level, is art direction. Let me give you another example. Um, I can't remember which magazine it was now. It might have been Rolling Stone. I can't remember exactly which magazine cover it was now. But a couple of years ago, there was a very famous magazine cover, and it was a, a picture of Donald Trump. And they'd taken the barcode, which normally sits in the bottom left or bottom right-hand corner of the cover of the magazine, and they'd put it on his top lip and made him look like Hitler. That's art direction. That's using design to convey a message, um, to tell a story, to communicate something to uh, an audience but through design and when we think about applying those things to the web it it is exactly the same kind of purpose but what we're doing is we're using you know all of those aspects of design we're using a layout we're using typography we're using color choices we're using all of these kind of design ingredients to you know do whatever it is that we're trying to do um online so we might be telling a story of um you know a story through a, an editorial magazine or a news story we might be telling um a story about why you should buy um you know my brand of power drill rather than somebody else's brand of power drill um and it extends even into user experience because we're really thinking about what is somebody feeling at this point? Um, How do we communicate with them? How do we, you know, do we try and cheer them up? We try and call them down. Um, You know, do we want to be, you know, kind of quirky and delightful or do we want to be sort of, you know, more serious and conservative? And all of those aspects um, of, evoking an emotional response in somebody is art direction
1: like accessibility we often say that that really is the responsibility of of everyone in the team but then in practice there tends to be an accessibility expert who really knows their stuff and can can sort of help everyone review their work and and push things forward is it the same with art direction is it something that everybody on a team should be looking at or is it something you you hire in a big uh, a big bright art director like yourself to come in and tell everyone what they should be doing.
0: No, it is exactly the sort of thing that everybody should be paying attention to. You know every decision that we make in terms of design is an opportunity to tell a story. And you know that can be a big story or it can be a tiny story. And even things like for example the the style and the wording of microcopy can help to tell the story. Now, what we really need um, is not just everybody kind of paying attention to what that message is, but we also need to know what the message is to begin with. And, you know, one of the things that I think has been lacking over the last however many years when we've been kind of evolving the web as a medium is we've kind of moved away from this idea as of the web as either a kind of creative medium or as a as a great medium for storytelling and that's the kind of thing where if you you know if you if you go to an ad agency then you know you you're not going to walk far through the door before you fall over an art director but that's not something that you generally find it's not a job title that tends to happen um, at digital agencies it just you know it's you'll find ux people and project managers and developers and you know all manner of different you know in parentheses product designers but the overall thinking about what message are we trying to convey how do we implement that through design but then there's that kind of you know what what you would think of as creative direction but it is some sort of slightly different where somebody's basically just checking that everything is you know is on brand is on message is part of part of telling that story
1: as a as a developer if i want to start getting involved in the art direction of my projects where on earth do i start is this something that i can learn or do you have to be born this way (laughs)
0: I can't think about the way you were born, Um, (laughs) landed on your head. Um, No, it is something that can be taught and it is something which takes practice. Um, So you don't need to have, you know, gone to art school or, you know, studied advertising or whatever. I never did. You know, I didn't even do a graphic design degree back in the 80s. You know, I was a a failed painter. But it's the kind of thing where I think it's a change of kind of mindset a little bit in thinking about, you know, yeah, it's not just about the the practical aspects of designing a, a website, but it's also the thinking about, well, what are we trying to do? So let me give you an example, right? So Smashing Magazine. I did some early early conceptual work with them for the redesign that we see right now. And you know the way that we did that was to basically just host a bunch of workshops where we all got together and we sat around a big table for a week and we did this kind of three or four times. Where really what we were trying to do was to get to the bottom of what the smashing message was and how smashing wanted to be perceived. And that was basically a great big round table exercise, which was basically designed to just get the smashing guys, Vitaly and Marcus and and others, thinking about what the real purpose of smashing was and how they were going to use design to Communicate the unique kind of personality and attributes of smashing, and you know to to help that along. We uh, you know we we did a load of kind of early rough design stuff, and then from what they'd learnt, they then turned to uh, Dan Mall and said, right, you know we've we've got these words, we've got these call them design principles if you like that we want to then pull out through the design. You know, we want to be bright and bold. We want the experience turned up to 11. We want to be quirky. And, you know, all these kind of words that had come out of our early design discussions. And then he would then produce designs that sort of fitted with that brief. And the interesting thing about that, if we relate this back to your question, where you say, you know, where do I get involved in this? Is, you know, if we were kicking off a project for Noticed, for example, the, the very obvious thing is that you know it does some things. It hosts your slide decks. It you know it adds your you know your speaker profile or whatever. But those are just the they're just the things that it does. But your aspirations for that product are much much more than just the you know the the bunch of practical things that it does. So from a brand and from an art direction point of view yes you know you want to be designing a product which is you know streamlined and simple to use and reliable and all of the stuff that it kind of goes with it but there's a bigger picture and I will be speaking to you about what that um, what that purpose really is you know is it to um, inspire other speakers to you know Get on stage, is it to share um information more widely? Is it to make talks that happen at you know remote conferences much much more um you know visible to people wherever they are in the world there's obviously like a bigger thing going on in here and then once we'd kind of understood what those real kind of pur- what a real purpose was. Then we can think about, well, how do we convey that message through the design? And that's where a designer would come in, you know, with a creative brief. Hmm. And then we would look at, well, you know, what what typography style is, you know, going to convey that message? What kind of layout, what kind of color scheme, what kind of graphics are going to really tell that story? Because you can easily just say you know, the the world's most popular slide deck sharing site as, you know, what's that nasty one? Not Speaker Deck, the other one. Slide share. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. What we would look to do with something like, notice if we're considering from an art direction point of view, is to consider, you know, how do you want people to feel when you're using the product, and how do you want them to feel when they're making the decision to choose your product over somebody else's? And that's essentially what it boils down to.
1: So it's very much about how, uh, like, the brand, in a sense, is is embodied in every little detail and uh, and every part of the the design, both the sort of visual design and the the functional design. Would that be accurate, to say?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that should be the case with anything that we're making. Um, it's why I get so disappointed when I see stuff which is, you know, not a gajillion miles away from you know framework default in terms of you know layout or button styles or type hierarchy or whatever it happens to be all of these kind of design things because to me that's like completely missing the point of the design yeah it might be a functional it might be a functional thing to use but does that make it nice
1: So obviously, modern websites are mostly spat out of a a CMS into identical templates. So if kind of one of the jobs of Art Direction is to invoke this sort of emotional response to something on a page, can that be done through spitting out content into templates? Or, you know, can it be done by a machine?
0: Well, if I had the solution to that problem, I'd be a very rich man because... It is actually the problem that a massive amount of the web is struggling with, whether it would be news outlets or magazine outlets or editorial or or whatever. And it's a question which comes up again and again and again. And actually, the the people that have really solved this problem best of all that I took to my knowledge is ProPublica, who I talk quite a lot about in the book and uh, our old friend rob Wakert basically designed the uh, the cms implementation for propublica and the way that they did it was that they said right okay these are our fi- foundation styles you know this is this is what the the propublica website looks like and an article on that website looks like if i do nothing this is what it this is what it is but obviously they want to be able to customize that in all kinds of different ways, whether it would be type or layout or color theme or anything else. What they did was very simply, they just had a, you know, a field in in the CMS that they could inject custom CSS. And, you know, because they understood the cascade and they understood, you know, how CSS builds, they would only then be able to, you know, overwrite certain things. Now, not everybody's going to want to go to the extent of custom designing articles in the way that ProPublica do. And they don't, they don't art direct or, or over-design everything. You know, it is only these really kind of special pieces that they tend to do, you know, a really great art, art direction job on. But there are ways in which we, you know, we can do this. You know, one of the great... We always talk about separation of what well, we used to talk about, it used to be the thing where we would separate content and structure and style and uh, and behaviour. Now it seems just like everybody pulls, every, you know, piles everything into JavaScript. But you know, moving swiftly on, one of the things that um, that you can do is you can separate out the CSS logic, and as long as you don't bake in the style of the page into the HTML, as long as you keep things flexible you can then do an enormous amount, particularly now when we've got things like CSS grid, Flexbox, which are kind of almost like content independent in a way, and CSS variables. So I'm working on a site with a French football magazine, which will hopefully be finished by the time this podcast goes out. And that's a question that we're trying to solve right now. So what I've done over the last couple of weeks is I've designed probably about half a dozen different layout templates. Now some some pages are fixed. You know they're never going to change, they're never going to be. You know they're wildly different. You know if you think about something like a, a league table or a list of results from a football Saturday then you're not going to do an enormous amount with it. But when it comes to things like player profiles and team profiles and some of the more kind of involved content, what I've done is I've designed about half a dozen different layout combinations, all based on exactly the same CSS. And what I'm doing is I'm then abstracting out certain things that, for want of a better word, I'm calling themes. Just in terms of, right, in this design, you know, design A, and I give them all names, you know, I give, I've given the theme, the theme um, I've named them after French football players, so, you know, if you want to uh if you if you look at the Cantonar design or the Cantonar theme, what do the headlines look like? What do the um what do the block quotes look like? What do the table headers look like? You know, what do the buttons look like? <laughs> there, there's a specific style that goes into that theme, which is independent of the layout. And the other thing which is independent of that theme is the six different color. Color schemes that I've come up with. So basically, by the end of the the project, you'll have a color layer, a theme layer, and a layout layer that they are able then to kind of pick and choose, and that can be automated. You know, it can be can be turned into you know toggle switches in the CMS or whatever it might happen to be. So there are ways of of, of doing that. Now that's not a particularly kind of appropriate you know thing for just in terms of pure art direction. But the same mechanics can then be used if we want to be saying, well, you know, we, do, we, we do want to customize this, so let's introduce these new fields.
1: One of the examples in the book, quite early on, of a, of a, a sort of art-directed uh, site is the UK government's gov.uk site, which is uh, excellent as a, as a user of it. It's a site I really enjoy using, but it's not one that I would immediately think of as being art-directed. In, in inverted commas, um, it's you know, it's not it's not very visually rich. It's quite sparse and not sparse in a minimalist way, but sparse in a utilitarian way. Art direction doesn't need to be flashy I'm taking from that well
0: I, tell you, I have spent years joking about gov UK and you know I've always thought of, of of gov UK as being the website that design forgot i've oh I've often said you know uh, gov UK not known for its creative flair and um it was interesting when I was doing a series of podcasts interviews for the book. I was talking to Mark Porter, who used to be creative director at The Guardian. You can't read a book about editorial design without Mark popping up at, at some point. In fact, he'd be a great person for you to speak to on uh, on this podcast at some point to get a different perspective. And I was saying to Mark in our conversation, look, I can remember great art directed ad campaigns on TV and magazines. You know, we've talked about art direction in newspapers and print publications, et cetera. Give me an example of what you think is great art direction on the web. And I was absolutely stunned when Mark said GovUK. And it, it took a while to sink in, but actually he was absolutely right because if art direction is about making people feel in a certain way, then GovUK does its job incredibly well. It doesn't need to be flashy. It doesn't need to be overly designed. It doesn't need to push boundaries or or do any of these things that you know you might associate with you know newfangled CSS grid webby stuff because it does what it does and it's the design is absolutely appropriate to not only to the audience and what they want to do but also how GovUK want people to feel when they've left the site you know when you've gone on their um, page your car tax or you know looked up when your bin collection's going to be or whether it's safe to travel to. Canada. Cameroon or I leave that site feeling reassured that I've been given the information that I was looking for in a thorough and, you know, professional way. You know, I I don't think to myself, oh, is that site trustworthy? And not just because it's Gov UK, but because the whole experience has just been designed to, you know, leave no unanswered questions in my brain
1: yes it's it's so sort of simple it gives you a real confidence in the, the information that you found is correct or the process that you followed you know there was a very clear way through it so you feel like yes i've completed that successfully because it was unambiguous
0: now would i would i design certain things differently you can bet your bottom dollar i would but you know would would i want to you know think about improving typography yes you know, would I want to get more granular in terms of the typographic design so that we can improve, you know, the way that numerals look or dates look or tables of data look or whatever? Yes, absolutely. There's some things that I would look at there and say, I want to improve the design of that aspect of Gov UK. But in terms of the art direction, no, everything that they, everything that that you see, whether it's intentional or not, in terms of, I don't know whether there is an art director at Gov UK, but everything that you see just contributes to how people feel at the end of the experience, and that's good art direction.
1: The um, the book itself is really beautiful. I'd seen the ebook version of it early on, which is absolutely terrific, and I, I recommend that. But then I had the pleasure of picking up an actual printed version, and I really recommend the printed version even more. <laughs> it's every sort of spread is, as you'd expect, sort of custom designed. And it's just jam-packed with loads of inspirational examples. And it's so heavily illustrated. I mean, there's hardly a double page spread that that's all text. It's, it's all illustrated with stuff. It, it's really great. But to be honest, it's not the sort of book, not knowing anything about art direction before our conversation and before looking at uh, actually looking at the book it's it's something i wouldn't have picked up thinking it was for me but once i started looking through it i thought oh yeah this is this is really good obviously it, you've designed it you've designed every spread by hand what was that process like
0: <laughs> it was it was a lot of work i mean first of all i would just want to say an enormous thank you to uh, my son alex who actually typeset that entire book from start to finish what we wanted to do when we set out to to produce the book was to show off you know some inspiring stuff but we also wanted it to be incredibly relevant to people at various different stages or in different areas or whatever and sue would be quite sort of brutal with me and say don't forget to explain it this way you know if somebody's using Squarespace or Shopify or a bootstrap grid or whatever, then you need to talk to those people as, as well. So what I did was I actually spent about three months designing a whole ton of different examples. And, you know, me being me, I had to kind of, you know, everything had to be perfect. You know, there had to be a theme. So I kind of came up with this hard-boiled based London gangster theme for an app and a website that kind of goes with it. And then everything kind of just spread on from there. What was interesting in terms of the the actual design of all those examples was, you know, what you learn how to design in one part of the book, you then learn how to build in another part of the book. So there is this kind of balance to it. Um, uh, but then, yeah, so basically what would happen is was that um, I came up with a, with about half a dozen different layout scamps for the main body of the book. Um, I was much, much more detailed on the sort of the examples that I didn't design, you know, some of the, the other examples from elsewhere on the web. Um, but the general body of the book, I just did half a dozen kind of just very simple box layout sketches. Alex would then interpret that and chapter by chapter, we would then go through it. So literally every single page has been has been tweaked um, and I haven't done it. I've never done a book that's got, had that much attention to detail.
1: Yeah, it really shows. And uh, the end result is fantastic. And I've, I've been learning a, a lot from it. So something I always like to ask people, I've been learning about art direction. What have you been learning about lately? Is there anything in particular that in your work and in your projects that you've been learning and, and swatting up on?
0: Yeah, I've been try. I've been really trying to get to grips with more advanced grid stuff. That's something which I've been really trying to sort of push the sort of push the boundaries of. Mm-hmm. Um, and along with this kind of, because I tr- I've been experimenting with, you know, here's a great, here's a quirky layout. Let's, how would we build that? and along the way comes things like svgs and you know making svgs responsive and you know I actually learned today that you can't you can't use the picture element within lines svg you have to use an img element if you want to you know swap one picture for another or one source for another in in, uh, in html so my main thing I've actually been going back to to really just learn a hell of a lot more about about code you know i think that quite you know you go through phases where you know there's a huge amount to learn or it seems that way and there's something new that you you know that you want to get to grips with and then things kind of plateau out and you you know you churn through the same stuff or you use the same patterns or the same kind of um you know methodology for a while and then there's another spike and i'm kind of in one of those spikes at the moment
1: obviously the book is available now you've also been writing a series of articles for smashing magazine around some of the same sort of same sort of ideas picking out some some bits and bobs which we'll uh, link to in the show notes but you're also doing a webinar series is that right
0: yeah well the the articles and the webinar is it's all the same stuff so i called it inspired design decisions and it came about because I was actually in Magma Bookshop, uh, which is a brilliant magazine bookshop in London before Christmas. I was with our friend Al Power, and we were kind of, you know, thumbing through magazines, and I was geeking out and going, "Oh, look at this beautiful quote! Oh, that layout looks amazing! Cool! I love the way that they've tied this image with the colour of the text, and blah blah blah." And uh, Al said, "Well." I've never really thought a bit like that, you know. I've never really thought about, you know, lessons that we can learn from, you know, editorial design or magazine design or, or you know, other other things. And you just talk about it in ways that just make sense, you know. You ought to, you know, you ought to write about this stuff. So I don't want to write another book at the moment because, well, you know, Sue would hunt down and kill anybody that that asked me to. So the idea came about was, well why not do a series of articles over the course of a year where I would touch on an, a particular topic and a particular piece of inspiration. There's three gone out now so far. Um, there'll be four, maybe five by the time this podcast goes out. Each one is uh, is the webinar content with Q&A. Um, everybody that is a Smashing member also gets access to a really, really nicely designed PDF version of all of the, you know, of the articles and uh, and all the code that goes with it. And then what we do a month later is we'll put that article out for free on the public smashing magazine website. And what we'll do sometime next May is we'll collect all of those twelve articles together and we'll re-edit them and you know get the continuity right. And uh, and that'll be another book that comes out probably you know next April May time. That sounds great. It's it's a lot of fun.
1: If you, dear listener, would like to hear more from Andy, you can follow him on Twitter, where he is at Malarkey, and find examples of his work and hire him via his website, stuffandnonsense.co.uk. Our direction for the web is available now through Smashing at smashingmagazine.com books, and I commend it to you. Andy, do you have any parting words? Um, to Brexit. This is Smashing. And that was our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends.
0: Find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com, on Twitter at Smashing Mag, Smashing Magazine on Facebook, or in the supermarket by the cat food.